Uh, grace and peace to you. Thanks for being with us today. We're starting a new series today. It's called In His Presence. Uh, we, uh, I, I really don't have a timeline on this, to be honest with you, uh, because even before this pandemic, I felt that this uh, was absolutely uh, something we needed to teach and to go with. You'll be hearing more about that later uh, in the sermon. But it is uh, just our need as people in our nation of uh, what we were doing, how fast we were running, how fast we were running to things, away from things that were necessary things. So uh, I, uh, I'm, I'm excited about this for you and for us. I, I want to have a word of prayer before I begin. Let's pray together. Father, I pray that you help me to, to be a plain preacher today, so plain that a child would understand me. I pray that even though um, I don't know who's watching or when they're watching or where they're watching from, that you give me words of knowledge that only you can give me to speak to people, to bless them and to cheer them on and, and encourage them in their faith and their walk with you. If you prompt me with it, I want to be obedient to speak to it. And out of everybody in this audience today, whenever this audience is and wherever they are, um, I'm the one that's under a great judgment, a more strict judgment, because I'm a teacher of your word, and I accept my place in rightly dividing it. So in the name of Jesus, I pray in his name that I preach. Amen. The, in his presence today, I'm going to be handling this, this sermon and a few more behind it about the question, is it position over presence? Uh, have we been striving for position over being in God's presence? And I really want to, I really want to give uh, props and I want to commemorate the fact of a man by the name of Leon Morris that I've been reading. And I want to, I want to outwardly thank him for his writings uh, that have spurred some of the things that I am giving to you today. Um, the, the setting is Matthew 18, 1 through 5, and I want to read it to you. It said, At that time the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? Then he called a child to him and had him stand among them. I assure you, he said, unless you are converted and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever humbles himself like this child... This is the one, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. Uh, in Matthew 18, 1, the disciples are coming to Jesus and they have a question to ask. Uh, and they ask the question, who is the greatest? Um, the setting is there's disciples and obviously other people there and Jesus there as well. And here they come with a question, who is the greatest? The disciples had heard Jesus teach about his kingdom and they had heard him teach that I am the Messiah. They had heard that. So in their thinking, they're going, the Messiah has a kingdom and in their, in their understanding of kingdom, there's like, well, man, there are these places that you get in the kingdom. There are positions to get in the kingdom. And their thinking is, Am I, am I going to be true to this? Am I, am, am, I, am I going to have one of these places in the kingdom of heaven? So if there's top places to gain in a kingdom, according to their thinking, then these, uh, these places are up for grabs. 
Uh, I want to say this. If, if there's a new church planner uh, watching this, I, I learned this the hard way. I remember when we started Hope Church back in 1998, uh, 22 years ago. I remember um, when we started, uh, I just started with my wife and my children. Uh, we went through the North American Mission Board. We went through our state convention. Uh, our executive secretary at that time was Bill Mackey. Uh, we went through the, what we call the KBC, the Kentucky Baptist Convention. <clears throat> we, we checked off all the things. But when we started, um, <clears throat> I was seeing people I had never met. And being a young pastor then, uh, a whole lot younger than I am now, but uh, you're going, what's going on here? What's happening? Uh, and what was happening was I was discovering that people were coming to our church physically, to our services, and they were hoping to do in our church what they were never allowed to do in the church where they served. Um, and and I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that everybody that did that uh, was uh, jockeying for position, but I can tell you that a lot of them were. Not all of them. A lot of them were very sincere. Uh, but some of them were looking, okay, here's this new place. <clears throat> and uh, they haven't got all their positions filled. And there's certainly some top positions. Maybe I can bring my credentials from where I used to be to this new place and, and, and have a place. Do you see what I'm saying? And what I mean by that, I kind of get it here. The disciples, their thinking of a kingdom was different than Jesus thinking of a kingdom. And they're thinking that uh, there are places to have and to, um, to hold. And let's see if we can get those top places. Uh, and when they ask the question, you can almost see like they're leaving a blank empty. Like, we're, we're asking you, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And it's kind of like, okay, Jesus, we're approaching you. Will you fill in the blank? As you and I know, Jesus is a master teacher. And in verse 2, uh, this is how he responds. He said, then he called a child to him and had him stand among them. Uh, he responded. He responded uh, by answering the question and he did it with a live answer, an actual person, a very live illustration. He chooses this child, and we see him refer to him as him, being a young boy. So why choose a child as a living illustration? Why didn't he just answer them? Why did he pick a live, living illustration of a child to answer their question, who's the greatest? You and I know kids can misbehave, right? We, they're cute, they're awesome, they're not burdens, they're blessings. We say that here at Hope Church all the time. But we know they can be a handful. And in the middle of this pandemic, <laughs> I bet you're amen in me right now. Don't let your kids see you amen me, but you're probably amen in me right now that children can be a handful. We know that's true. Heck, I was a handful. There's no doubt, I, I know, I know I was. Maybe you were. Uh, so we're, we're going, well, why is he using this child as an illustration, this kid? Why is he doing that? Aren't we encouraged in our faith as adults to leave childish things behind? Doesn't his word encourage us to do that? Paul said that. When I was a child, I thought as a child. 
I acted out. I even spoke like a child. But then when I matured, I put away childish things. You have to ask the question, doesn't God's word encourage me to put away childish things? But then he uses a child as an illustration to answer the question, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? When you and I become adults, we reach greater realms and seasons of responsibility in our life. We rely on our own strength and our wisdom. Maybe the university of hard knocks that you've done. Uh, could, could that be part of our problem today? Could that be part of the problem today? Are the pandemic that we're in, is, is that part of the problem? I, I'm, I'm just saying, during this pandemic, is, is God getting our attention? I think the answer to that is yes. I think he is getting our attention, uh, especially for the moment. And I, I've just, I just gotta be honest to you, uh, one of my fears, I just gotta be honest with you, and it's one of my prayers, is that when we get released in the way we define released, when we get released, I, my, my fear is that some of you who are watching uh, are gonna return to your normal self, your normal self, living your own life, the, own, the way you want to, the, under your own power, under your own strength, using your own wisdom. And let me, let me speak about this wisdom thing for just a moment, because it has a lot to do with the sermon. James teaches us in the book of James that if you lack wisdom, ask, ask, ask the Lord, ask, the, ask God, and he will give you wisdom and he'll give it to you abundantly. Could, could it be that we think we don't need the wisdom? Could part of our problem, we see that and we go, well, all that verse is for people who aren't wise. Really? I mean, Try to lead yourself out of what we're in right now. And a lot of us are armchair presidents, we're armchair governors. Heck, we're even armchair doctors and healthcare workers. You're out there going, man, if the, if, if the president would do that and the governor would do that, let me just tell you something. You, you need to pray for our president, our vice president, and their task force. I can't imagine the decisions they need to make. You need to pray for our governor. Pray for his heart. I, I can tell he's not getting rest. I can't imagine the decisions that he's making. I've, I've said this to Julie, my wife. I can't imagine. I've got to make decisions. And we're talking about uh, putting people out of work and unemployment. And I've got to make decisions even here at our church. And, but can you imagine being a general and sending people into battle, knowing that a great percentage of those people that go fight that battle will never come back. Can you, can you imagine? Here, here's what I mean. Uh, we, we think we have a lot of wisdom, but James says you really are a person that needs to ask for wisdom. Could it, could it be that um, we don't think we need it? that we already have all the wisdom. Some of us pride ourselves in this, that we have wisdom. We're the answer people. We're the result-oriented people. Look at my results. We're the, we're the fix-it people. Give me your problem. And I'll fix it just like that. We, we don't ask for wisdom. And I only picked one of those. <laughs> I talked about our own strength, our own power, about ourselves. 
but I only picked one to really harp on for just a moment. And that is, is it because we don't ask for wisdom because we don't think we need it, we already have it? So again, we ask to ask the question, why choose a child as a living illustration? Could he have given a verbal answer? You and I know he could have. But he gave them one that I think is a picture that they'll never forget. See, children in their culture in that day uh, weren't much. Now, I'm, I'm not saying they were burdens. They're blessings. But they, they, they didn't look to children for wisdom. Uh, they didn't look to children for direction. Uh, they didn't, children were to be taken care of and to be raised. Uh, so it, it really points to a time when Jesus was 12 years old and in the temple and how they were mesmerized by what he knew because, and he was at the age of 12. Uh, and I mean, he, he blew their minds uh, because they didn't see children as being staple people in society or like giving to society. They still needed care. Uh, and the whole picture of this is... Um, that a child is a picture of being dependent on other people and having to trust other people for their survival. So here we go. Here we go. Why did he take a child as a living illustration to the question of who's the greatest? Because we know children can misbehave. We know children can get on your nerves. We know they can be a handful. Uh, we know that. And we know that that scripture, we're encouraged to put away childish things and become adults. But he's saying here, I need you to be dependent on me and trust me the way this child has to be dependent and trust other people. I have no doubt that that is the picture of the living live illustration of this little boy. Uh, he is trying to tell them that he is faithful and that he demands dependency and trust if you're gonna follow him. Not independence and self-appointment, but dependence and trust. In verse three, it says, I assure you, Jesus says, unless you are converted and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. They'll never enter. The word converted here really just means do a 180. I know one time I was telling somebody about um, they need to do a 360, and I really meant do a 180. A 360 is you start, you go back to where you started. A 180 is a, a, just a, an about face for those of you in the military and had military experience. It's just turning around 180 degrees. And, and to be converted, he said, I want you to become like a child. Become like children. Be dependent and trust is exactly what he's asking of us. We, we're switching here. Jesus, again, the master teacher in verse three, switches from the question of who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven because he knows that the question there is dealing with self. So there is a switch from the question of who is the greatest to Jesus starts mentioning not who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven, but who can enter heaven. He switches from the question of who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven to what does it take to enter heaven, masterfully done. The question of seeking who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven is a selfish question. 
absolutely points to you, not only you, you're thinking of an earthly kingdom and there's places to hold, there's positions to have, there's top level, mid-level, low level. And how do I get to those top positions? That's how the disciples are thinking. You have to understand that here's a kingdom principle that I'm gonna, I'm gonna give to you and encourage you with. And that is that selfishness and the kingdom of God do not mix. Uh, being independent of him and self-appointed does not mix with the kingdom of God. You see, uh, it becomes position over presence, which is where we started in the sermon. They're more concerned about their position in the kingdom than they are about their presence with the king. That becomes the problem. Uh, it's, it's not good enough to just be with him. Yeah, later on, we're going to see the argument goes, who's going to sit at the left and who's going to sit at the right? Let me, let me take you back to the thief on the cross. And Jesus made a promise to the one that believed. And he said, today you will be with me in paradise. And I, I can remember as a young preacher, I had even my own questions. What's paradise? You know, paradise may be Cades Cove and Spokey Mountains, or it may be a beach in Hawaii to you or in Florida or the Bahamas or whatever, you know? Um, and we get, in, we get into this discussion about what's paradise. Is that pre-heaven? Yeah, we know heaven will be fulfilled one day. Uh, that is, you know, what is that? What's paradise? We'll, we'll, we'll all search about it. And you got to know me. I just try to be a common sense preacher and a, and, a, and a bottom line preacher. And I tell people, you get in the argument of paradise. You, you get in the argument about place. I said, you miss what he says. He says, today you will be with me. We'll, we'll look over what's paradise, it's pre-heaven existence, is it uh, heaven that's just not yet fulfilled, and I've said all that. And I'm just gonna tell you, um, educated country boy, but I'm still a country boy. And I look at that and I go, uh, wherever he is, is paradise to me. Is it just, you will be with me? I think in that scenario, personally, I chose presence over position. And that's where we're gonna to get to today. We'll try to jockey for position over presence. When in a little bit later, I'm gonna challenge you to switch all that, to go for presence over position. He says to be with me. Uh, presence is always better than position. In Matthew chapter six, verses five and six, Jesus is teaching on prayer. And I, I want to read to you these passages. Whenever you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites because they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by people. Uh, I assure you, they've got their reward. Uh, I don't think public prayer is wrong, but Jesus doesn't always speak too highly of it because of the way we use it. Uh, for our own attention. Verse six, but when you pray, go into your private room, your private place, shut your door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret, he will reward you. Uh, there, is a, there is a kingdom principle about us going off and being in the presence of the Lord. So uh, in Matthew, in this verse three, he told the disciples, be converted. They're already believers in the Lord. 
they were followers of Jesus. That's not the conversion he's talking about. The conversion is you need to make a 180 from your selfish self. You need to make a 180 and be converted like this child. Become like this child to me, not in misbehaving or being a handful, but by being dependent and trusting me uh, throughout your life. So let's, let's convert right now. Looks like I'm giving the invitation. Not completely, but kind of. Uh, let's convert. You know, let's, let's do the 180. Let's seek his presence more than you and I seek positions. Uh, earlier, if you happen to see the video about the cards, you know, our title is, uh, is we're servants. That's our title. I, I know we throw around titles all the time about what place we have, but it's not about the place that we have. So the 180 conversion that I'm asking you to do is seeking his presence um, and not just positioning. Let me, let me tell you what I mean by this. Uh, you're going to ask the question, do you mean go along and be, go, go be alone with the Father? That's exactly what I'm saying. Car, carve out times of your day. Let me tell you what I think he's tired of, even in the midst of this pandemic. Uh, you are home now, you're with your kids, and some of you are learning your kids all over again, and their kids are learning you, same way. The truth of it is, we've rushed. You and I have been rushing and cramming. Uh, you want to do uh, a devotion, you want to be in the Word of God, so you plug it in and you listen to Christian radio, which I believe in. Uh, you listen to it while you're exercising, you, you're doing audibles of Scripture. I believe in all that. I believe in every bit of that. I'm not saying don't do it, but I don't know that that's you going alone being in secret. You may argue with me on that, but one thing you're going to hear in this whole series of In His Presence If the Lord Jesus needed to go off and be alone with the Father, I mean, dot, dot, dot. Do I even have to ask the next question? If Jesus needed to be in the presence of the Father and go off and be alone, well, what does that say about me and you? I'm saying we have rushed, we have crammed, we have put things at, that, that are scripture and praise and worship, and you need to continue that. But I'm telling you, carve out an, a, a, a time in your day when you just go and be alone with the Father. Let, let, me, let me give you an earthly example of that. My, my daughter just happened to come in and, and Laura was FaceTiming. Laura lives in Austin, Texas. She was FaceTiming with her mom. And I happened to just walk in, come up the steps, and it was timely. And it was, uh, she was looking at a breaker box and she just had some questions about it. And I, I said, you know, for those of you who are electricians, it was halfway, uh, it, had, it, had, it had popped. And I said, well, just move it to off and switch it to on real fast. And it worked. And she's like, thanks, Dad. And I just want to know you. My head swelled, my chest puffed out. My independent daughter in Austin, Texas needed her dad for that second. Is that selfish? It probably is. But man... Uh, my, my daughter, my flesh and blood needed me. I'm just, I'm just going to tell you, we have rushed and sped up our lives and so crammed in everything that you're going to hear me over and over and over. I'm going to admit to you, the Lord has highlighted this as a disciple point in your life of teaching you how to go off Carve out a time where you are alone with the Father. 
and you are just in his presence. We melt in his presence. We give him our fears and our doubts and our worries. We give him our praise and our request. And not only that, it's a time that we are listening. So he's telling them the conversion here is to be like a little child, become dependent and trust me. Uh, it's presence, picking presence over position. Look at, look at verse four. It says, therefore, uh, whoever humbles himself uh, like this child, this one is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Uh, there, he's gonna give two requirements about the kingdom in this verse and in verse five. This requirement is uh, one of humility, make humble. Um, a picture is there's this great big mountain and through excavation, it is made low. Um, and we, we pick the low. You, uh, you can argue with this about Jesus all you want, but I just want to remind you, this is his kingdom. <laughs> I mean, it's not yours. It's his. And he says, if you're going to enter it, you're going to have to be humble. Uh, you, you can, again, we can go to the illustration of uh, the child again. Dependence and trust is what he asked. Uh, Kayla uh, read earlier out of Philippians 2, verses 5 through 11, a beautiful passage about how Jesus comes out of heaven and humbles himself, makes himself low. King makes himself low so that he could be with us. It's a picture of his humility uh, and a picture of what is required in the kingdom. Uh, and I thank you, Kayla, for reading that and putting that together for us. So in, in, in verses that we choose to look at this, uh, I want you to look at Matthew 20, 16. And in here, you're gonna see a kingdom principle. And that is the last shall be first and the first shall be last. So you're going, if I'm gonna enter the kingdom of heaven, you're saying, and he's saying that one of the requirements is humility. Well, how do I do that? Well, let me help you. You choose last. That's just what you choose. I was on a podcast with a dear friend of mine from Denver, his name's Trent Ballard. Trent's beginning a podcast. We're old friends from our doctoral days at Fuller Seminary in Pasadena and met there, became good friends. And uh, we were bringing this up. You know, what do you choose? Well, you choose last. That's a kingdom principle and it, it'll never change. And remember, it's his kingdom. I want you to look at Matthew 23, 11 through 12. He said, the one who is greatest among you is the servant. And he who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will always be exalted. So the requirement of entering the kingdom of heaven is humility. We choose low. We choose last in our life. In verse 5 of chapter 18, he says, and whoever welcomes one child like this in my name welcomes me. The second requirement is hospitality. The first requirement is being humble. The second is hospitality. We are welcoming people here who need to hear the message. We welcome them in our life to have spiritual conversations, to walk them into a relationship with Christ and to love them into that relationship with Christ. You see, in, in today's lesson and in today's sermon, uh, we really can put it down to earthly kingdoms and to heavenly 
kingdoms or the kingdom of the Messiah of heaven. In an earthly kingdom, here's what matters. Rank, status, and how much power you have. In an earthly kingdom, it can even mean how much military power you have. That's why uh, the Lord didn't want David to take a census of his people because he would see how great his army was. And when he realized how great his army was, he didn't rely on the Lord anymore. Again, independent, independent of him. Uh, earthly kingdoms, it's, it's on how much individual wealth you have and also your ability to overthrow. Uh, Julie and I watch Survivor. It's, uh, she loves it, she always has. It comes on Wednesday nights. We usually DVR it and watch it a little later, maybe even another day. Uh, but you know the motto of Survivor is to outwit, outplay, and outlast. Uh, and I'm not putting down the show, uh, but it's conniving, deceptive, and selfish. The whole goal is not that somebody else win the million dollars or two million or whatever it is. The whole goal is that I overthrow you so that I can win the million dollars. If we're not careful, that's the life we'll live. I'm, I'm outplaying, I'm outwitting, I'm outlasting everybody. And there's, a, there's all kinds of ingredients in there. And I'm not putting down the show. The show, it, 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 it tells of that. It's designed for those things to happen. It's a game. But if we're not careful, that will be life. Here's a picture of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus' kingdom, the Messiah, though it's on earth, it is not a competition on who gets the high place, but it's who is serving from the low place. That's the kingdom. It's not getting service, it's giving service. It's not about how are other people serving me, but how am I serving other people? It, it, the picture of greatness in the kingdom is humility. I'm a servant. And you have to ask it, it, we have to ask the greatest position is, is uh, the, we have to, if we have to ask about what is the greatest position that we can have, that's a selfish question. It's not about humility. It's not about serving. And in the kingdom, there's hospitality and welcome. I, I'm not saying that we have to agree with the way things people are and what they, what they believe. But I'm going to tell you one of the first ways to, to move them into a relationship with Jesus is to just welcome them as they are. <clears throat> I told a person this week, man, you've got a lot of warts. You've got a lot of things that are just out of line with you. But I want you to know that I love you warts and all. I, I love you just as you are. Uh, and then we let Jesus move them into who they need to be. Here, here's the invitation. If you're here and listening today and you're not a believer, man, the whole point of this today is surrender right where you are. You got a God that loves you. You got a God that became man and became flesh. Uh, we call it the incarnation. Uh, he became flesh for you. He died for you, your sins, so that you could be new. If you're, a, if you're not a believer today, just stop what you're doing and ask the Lord to save you and surrender your life to him wherever you are. If you are a believer, I'm asking you to convert too. I know you're already believing, but I'm asking you to convert 
And what I'm asking you to switch is quit jockeying for positions, but go after presence. You know, the whole thing about in his presence is it's positions over presence, but I want it to switch. Here's the 180. Let it be about presence over positions. Uh, Our title is servant. I remember one of the men who mentored me in my doctoral program, actually Trent that I mentioned earlier and myself was Eddie Gibbs. He's from the United Kingdom. Precious, gracious man. And we asked him, we asked him uh, what he thought about American Christianity. And his response was, he said, you're trying to build Christian celebrities and you're not building saints. If we're not careful, Christian celebrities are going to be about positions and not presence. It's going to be about the number of followers and the number of likes. It's going to be about the number of retweets and the number of shares. If we're not careful as a church, we're going, hey, man, we're, we're broadcasting now in this pandemic and 4,000 people are seeing us. Well, that's great. Those are the wrong metrics. What you and I need to be doing is realizing I am seeking the presence of God over a position with God. And that's the conversion I'm asking you and in our invitation to be a part of is uh, be a servant and realize like this child, you and I are to be dependent on him and to trust him and that it's with him. He promised to be with us and he is. And let's pick presence over position instead of position over his presence. May that be your conversion today. May that be your 180 today of not just cramming him in your life and rushing, but carving time out of your day to where you just go spend time with the Father. And the Father who sees you in secret, he will reward you. Grace and peace to you.